Hello and welcome to Pitchmasters with me, Danny Fontaine. This week I speak to the inspirational Thomas Erickson, author of Surrounded by Idiots, along with a whole string of other titles. Thomas was the youngest bank director in Sweden in his 20s, but was a self-confessed terrible manager. This set him on a career path dedicated to helping others become truly great leaders. I hope you enjoy his story and don't forget to let me know what you think. Thomas Erickson, how lovely to have you on the podcast. And I must say you are looking wonderful today. How are you? Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am perfectly well, thank you so much. We had a snowstorm last night, so I've been shoveling snow all morning. So um, this feels absolutely great, to be honest, to sit down and have a a lovely chat with you, I'm sure. (laughs) So for those people who have not heard of you, you are a behavioral expert and a best-selling author. um, And the book that I know you for is called Surrounded by idiots, but I know you've written a lot more, but can you give all of us a bit more of a, an introduction to yourself? In fact, I'm interested to know, how do you introduce yourself? The elevator pitch. Well, we all see what we see when we meet another person. We, we observe people and we usually go by gut feeling when it comes to how we should adapt or adjust. What I do, I use a specific system in order to, to interpret you. And then I sort of fine-tune my own behavior, sort of a blueprinted version of what I can see. If my guess is correct, you will like me better because I will adapt to you, but not in a silly way. I'm not, I will not be you, but I will do things to begin with that you will feel comfortable with. And I will make you feel, you know, special and, 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 and seen and everything because everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard. That is what I usually do. And what I also do is I train other people to do the exactly same thing because we are different. But exactly how different and in what way and what can be done about it. That is my expertise. Have you done anything already with me to make me like you more? Yes. Can you tell me what you've done? You smile a lot. You're a friendly person. You're enthusiastic. So I have already told you that I see you as an expert in your field. I have told you that I'm very comfortable in your company. I trust you you to fix the digital stuff, all the links. And we had some, some struggle with uh, the platform and so on. And I told you, I know you're going to do it. And you did. My guess was correct. You sold it. And here we are. It's quite fascinating. I'm going to jump right into a topic here. Do you find with your work that there's sometimes a gray area between trying to get people to like you for the right reasons and almost manipulation? Where where does the moral compass lie in your work? That's an excellent question, and I get that a lot. I think it's, I call it adaption. I mean, adapt to other people adopt to other people, try to mirror somebody. In the beginning of the conversation, if the other person is smiling, you should be smiling. If he's serious and focused, you should be serious and focused, uh, and so on and so forth. Some people tell me, well, that's manipulation. But that depends on 
what you what you're looking for that depends on what you're after what is your agenda do you have a hidden agenda are you out after to to sort of use this individual in some bad way then it's manipulation but if it's all about sort of finding a good connection reach out to somebody and, and connect then i think it's a good thing Then i think it, it's it's not manipulative at all uh, for me manipulation is i mean we try to manipulate each other all the time in a way we try to look sharp we try to to sound smart we try to to show ourselves let's say the best possible way we don't show our flaws and our weaknesses at least not to begin with that's for our spouses and, and children and so on unfortunately they will see the bad the downsides to, to everybody i guess but we try to look as good as possible. That's a kind of manipulation because it's not it's not the whole truth. But I think if you if you strongly know where you are going and you know why you are trying to connect with somebody and you have you do it in, in good faith, let, let's call it. Uh, I think it's a good thing. And we need to adapt to each other all the time. We do that all the time, obviously. I mean, you're listening to me now, but the questions are popping up in your mind as as we go. But you are still silent and you're listening and, and you're observing what I'm doing. And that is also a sort of uh, adjustment in, in your own behavior. And soon I will do the same thing because now you will start to... So we do it all the time. And the trick is, I guess, it's to do the right adjustment in your behavior at the right time and for the right reason. It's not super simple, but you can train yourself to do it. Uh, but I've written about manipulation also, and that's a really bad thing. I have written two books about manipulation, both about narcissism and, and psychopathy, and that's uh, that's uh, that's nasty. So tell me a little bit how you, you got into all of this, because Surrounded by Idiots, which we'll get to in a second, is... I, I feel very relevant in, in the business world, especially. But then you've written about narcissists and you've written about psychopaths. How did you get into this? Were you a business guy or a, a psychology guy? Did you fall into this? Is it been an ambition of yours? It's not a straight line from where I am today and, and back in, in, into the history. It's, uh, it's several different factors, to be honest. I mean, I was... I was a kind of a business gang uh, guy. I'm an ex-banker, actually. I was one of Sweden's youngest bank directors when I was 28. Uh, but I was I was making a career, and uh, when I got my first managing position at the age of 24, I, I was a good sales guy, so I took on this managing position. I sold myself to them, and I said, take me, take me, because I can do the job. But for some strange reason, they actually took me. They chose me, and they said, well, good, you've got the job. And after six or eight months, I realized I had no idea what I was doing. I was a terrible manager. I was a, I was a bad boss. It was it, it was a catastrophe. I could give you, you know, several bad examples of, of, of really really bad behavior fr from my side. And I I went to my managers managers two levels up and said, "You have to take me out of this equation because I don't know what I'm doing." And he said, "You better stay put, Sonny, because your boss." is even worse he's not even here so so you 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 hang in there and after a year i i actually managed to 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 get out of there because 
oh, it was terrible. Every, everything people came to me with, how should we solve this? And I said, well, fix it. Well, how about that? Well, fix it. Well, what about this? Well, fix it, fix it. I didn't know. I was completely busy being a boss here, you know. So why do you come to me all the time? And, uh, you know, you know, you have this meeting when you're leaving, leaving your position, when you're leaving a job, when you're leaving an office or wherever, whatever. You sit around a coffee table and you have some coffee and some cake maybe and somebody says something nice, hopefully, and you get a little present and say, wish you good luck on your next step on your career. I didn't get anything. They didn't give me, they gave me nothing. And I, I, I gave them a plant. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> I messed you up completely. And one lady, she felt bad for me at the end of this Oh, it was a horrifying meeting. At the end of this meeting, she she felt so bad. She said she, she said something like, "Well, it got a little bit better at the end, at least." And it was ah, oh, it was a disaster. <laughs> Anyways, and then the HR department called me up and they said, "Fancy a personality test with you?" And I said, "Sure, why not? I'm a willing learner. I want to know more." So I filled in a questionnaire and then they handed me a report. I think it was. 20 pages something pretty pretty vast and they i i read it and uh, it was horrible it was me 100 and i said is this what people see when they meet me is this how they perceive me mm -hmm. want to talk about it she said and i said i better and it was it was a pain i can tell you Dana. it was painful but it put me on track it gave me a reason to sort of so enter the world of self-awareness in a way, because I had no idea. I talked too much. I was a really poor listener. And why people were so frustrated with me, I totally get it now. I, I'm, I'm totally, and I have these traits still. I'm struggling with them, you know, just to be quiet when I get, when I get inspired or, 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 you know, interested in something. I like to interrupt, but I shouldn't do that. Nobody should do that. So I, I'm struggling with these things, but I know them. I'm self-aware now. And that, that's uh, some almost 30 years ago, back in time. And then I wrote some thrillers. Mm. And people said, nice stories. But the tool the guy in those books is using, where can we read more about that? Because I used mm. what I'm working with. I, I sort of combined my, I went into management consultants, consulting afterwards. I didn't say that. Uh, so as a consultant, I wrote books and I used the, the same methods. And people said, that's that's interesting. Nice, pleasant stories. But, you know, the guy, what, what is he up to? Where can we learn more about that? But you couldn't because that's what I was teaching people, training people in behavioral uh, stuff and management and so on. So then I combined the two, writing a book about what I was working with. And that turned out to be Surrounded by Idiots which was not an overnight success. I can assure you that nobody nobody believed in that. That was just... I had a publisher. You see, I'm talking a lot. I'm not answering your question either. What was the question? But anyways, I went to my publisher and I, I said, how about this book? I designed the cover myself. It's going to be called... It's about behaviors. It's about communication, how to understand people who can't be understood. It's going to be called Surrounded by Idiots because you know that feeling, you know. And people looked at me and said, we think you're the idiot. Who, who's going to read that kind of book? It's a stupid title and it's an ugly cover. Forget about it. Go back to writing thrillers. So I had to publish it myself. It's self-published and I had no budget for marketing or anything. 
and drove around with boxes of with books in in my car, forcing them onto my clients. So you take ten books, and they looked at it and said, "What is this? Jesus, what is this? Oh no, take five, take, take two, two books, please. Take, take a book, a book. Okay, we'll take a book and see what it is." That's how it started, actually. So how did it catch fire then? Because it is huge now. Now it is huge all over the planet. It's 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 really weird and it's surreal in a way. I mean, it took a year for me to get into the airports here in Sweden. And then it's boom like this. And then it sold, I don't know, a million copies in a couple of years or something. Now it's been translated into forty-eight languages, and that is that is just crazy. I'm not saying this to to impress you, but to impress upon you. The interest when it comes to behaviors and how we communicate, it's the same all over the planet. The fascinating thing for me is I get emails from the UK, from Norway, from Canada, from, I don't know, from Brazil, India, South Korea, Japan. I got an email a couple of weeks ago from Azerbaijan. And the question people send me are the same. Oh, you know, I am this, like this, and my husband is like that, and oh, I recognize myself, and this is my boss, and my cousin, you know, I recognize myself, oh, it was so great. And the same reflections, the same questions, the same issues on all continents. And for me, that's cool as I don't know. People really are not as different as we might think. There are cultural differences, obviously, but, you know, people are much more alike than we can imagine. That's good news, I think. And at the beginning of the book, you, you, you tell a short story which helps to set out the premise of it about this terrible boss who thinks that everyone is an idiot. And, and I wonder if you could perhaps paraphrase that in a second. But as you're talking, is there an autobiographical element to that guy in the first story? It's a true story from my management consulting career. I was going to this entrepreneur. He was in his, I think, his early 60s. I was 31, 32, 33, somewhere around there. And he needed help. And we got in touch. And I visited him doing, you know, the first meeting. And I said, tell me about your business. Well, nothing can be done here because I'm surrounded by idiots, he said. And I said, well, surely there's not only idiots here. Yeah, yeah. Department A over there, you know pure morons and department b over there nobody understands anything department c don't even get me started and then i said well you know when you're young you're smart when i was young i was much smarter than i am now so i i asked him the only question that popped to my mind that was who brought in all the idiots and that was that that he kicked me out it was that's the only meaning i've been kicked out of I, i i don't know i sat in my car thinking what happened there you know and and uh, I went back and told the story to my to my boss, and I said, "Well, that guy he was kind of an idiot, you know. He didn't get it, you know. He didn't understand. He was a complete moron. Don't get me started." And I heard myself, and I thought, "Ah, oh, that kind of echoes very familiar. Maybe there is something for me to learn here." So then I actually went back to the report the HR department in the bank had given me which said, "You're such a poor listener. You should be ashamed of yourself." And I kind of, oh, "All right." So I managed to get back to the guy and said, can we start over again? And, and he said, okay, I'm not going to shoot you. He said, but sit down and tell me what you got. So, so, but that's kind of the way it is. You know, it, it, it goes like this ups and downs and, and, and doing business is hard. And if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to be even harder. So I made all the mistakes in the book. 
I can tell you that. So for those people who haven't read it, which could be a few people listening. The Probably more the people than those who have read it. <laughs> well, there's only three people listening, so, you know, who knows? Um, <laughs> the premise of the book isn't that we are actually surrounded by idiots, is it? Let, let's just make that really clear. Explain, please, uh, how that's flipped on its head that sets up the premise of the book. Of course, that's the right question. Well, the thing is, the feeling that we are surrounded by idiots, the, the, the sense of nobody's understanding me, nobody's listening. Am I the only one who sees this clearly enough? I mean, we've all been in that meeting, sitting down, you know, taking good notes, listening to people, thinking they just don't get it. I'm the only one who sees this as it is. And when you leave the meeting, you, you, you feel that you kind of, you feel a little bit lonely because you are the only one who understands the truth. You know, we all have those experiences. It could be with your spouse. It could be with your brother-in-law. You know, and sometimes you that pops your mind, pops to your mind, and you um, that guy is kind of an idiot. But the problem is, the problem is, some people are surrounded by more idiots than others. That is sort of interesting. And some people are some sort of idiot magnets who draws weirdos and, and strange people to themselves. And then you have to ask yourself, what's the what's the lowest common denominator here, really? Could mm-hmm. it be you? It's like that guy, you know, who can't, you know, hook up with a girl or a girl who can't hook up with a guy because everybody's strange. Are you sure it's them? It could be you, you know. That's kind of my mission. You could start with you because we are all the idiots in somebody's story, Right. If you start with you, if you start to understand who you are and how people perceive you and, and what's good about you and where you have your weaknesses and, and where you have your potential, if you work on yourself, you, you're going to actually learn more about other people as well because it goes kind of hand in hand. And for me, that's, that's a, it's a lifelong learning process, I guess. You need to build your self-awareness so you can use your full potential. And if somebody annoys you, or you annoy somebody else, that's bad. You, you need to find a way through. If you're going to reach out to people, you need to see how, how can I connect with this guy or, or that, 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 that person. Um, nobody can make it on their own. You, you have to be good at this, I think at least. For me, it's been complete salvation, to be honest, completely. Mm. So for me, the book is about two things. It's about self-reflection, as you've just mentioned, but it's also about the uh, understanding of how other people fit in your life and how there are different types of people in the world. And so I suppose the first thing to talk about is how do we figure out what type of person we are and what type of person others are? What, what are there's four big categories. Talk me through them, if you don't mind. Okay, this is... It's the four color system, red, yellow, green, and blue, and it's based on the on the traditional disc profile. It's a useful tool. It doesn't explain everything. Some people don't like it, say, ah, it's too simplified, there's more to it, and of course there is. But you have to start somewhere. My aim is to, let's say, attract people's attention, to make people curious. And then I said, read my book and then read another book and take a class and, and go for a seminar and watch some TED Talks. But, you know, start a journey somewhere. And I think this is a great gate to open to begin with. The system is based on extroversion versus introversion, 
task orientation versus uh, people orientation. So you've got this two by two matrix standard form. And then you have the first category, um, the, the red ones who are extroverted and task oriented. Fast forward thinkers, you know, very goal oriented, result focused as, as hell. They really, you know, boom, you know, thought actually is the same thing. You know, they really like this, bam, 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 you know, speed up, speed up because life is short, you know. No, we're we're in a hurry. Well, maybe we're not in a hurry, but life is really short. So you know, you should speed up. You know, and they take fast decisions, and they are a bit competitive. Some people think they are a bit harsh to people around them, and that might be true because they are actually telling you the truth. They are actually living the myth. We should be open-minded here. We should have you know sort of a high ceiling. We should be. Uh, sort of an open uh, communication. So, yeah, yeah, let's be honest. Uh, they they actually are. They can actually live with honesty. And they will tell you what they think about your honesty as well, if, if you dare. <laughs> and if we were to personify them, that would be the kind of CEO kind of character, would you say? Uh, that's a bit of a stereotype. But I understand what you mean. They are... are, are not conflict avert, they have sharper elbows than everybody else, so they can take a conflict, they sort of, they understand, they don't, they have no need to be liked mm. in the business world, let's call it, just to use some some, some phrases here, and if, if people don't love them, they, they can live with that, it's, it's a job that has to be done, so they are actually good at getting to the top, let's say, not saying they are the best leaders because that's actually a different thing. Um, but they have sharper elbows. They, they can take a few punches and they understand it's lonely at the top. They, they, they can live with that. So they end up in top positions quite often, to be honest. The second factor is the other extroverted profile who is not task-oriented, but profile uh, people-oriented, which is the yellow ones. And they are also into action, but they are also into to, to positive thinking and, and using a lot of words, you know, and really inspiring. And they see opportunities and they're super creative, you know. These are the people who have, they are so creative. Some of them haven't touched ground since the late 90s or something. You know, they, they, they see solutions where we say only see see problems and they answer questions nobody's asking. They solve problems nobody's ever heard of. They're really, really good at seeing what's not there. Uh, you know, to tell them you have to think outside the box, that's completely silly because so there is a box. There is a box. How do you get into the box? They've never been into the box because they're so all over the place all the time. Super inspiring, super, super uh, positive. The challenge is to 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 get all these thoughts on on a, on a piece of paper, because they they hate uh, documentation and details and Excel sheets that gives them you know some sort of rash all over their body. You know, they, no, they don't ask me to write things down. Oh no, oh no, no, no. Because when I get this new idea, you know, it's, it's sort of a fantasy thing, you know, and off they go. And you have to love them because they see sunshine all over. He said the sun is shining. I said, well, it's kind of. I think it's raining on, yeah, 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 but the sun is always shining somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right, you know, life is beautiful. And you, you just have to love them because they can, they can open up the gates to so many things. But they usually need some support, somebody who's sort of picking up the pieces afterwards, you know, and, and well, taking notes, for instance. So that's them. You find them in sales. 
Right. They're good with words. Excellent communicators. Excellent communicators. You find them in in, in marketing, uh, PR, those kind of things. A lot of entrepreneurs are yellow because they well they have an idea. Mm. They really can't describe it. They think there is something here we should build or we should uh, sort of put something together. It's going to be like you know, blah, blah, blah. and then they can get the money for it. They find the funds and they just start digging, and they don't know where they're going. But sometimes. There you have it. Then you know, sometimes you have sort of a super invention. Everybody would say, wow, how did you come up with that? I don't know. I don't know because they usually don't know. But you, if you pay attention, you can learn a lot. That's number two. Number three is the green factor. That is people who are also people-oriented but introverts. So they are more calm, more caring, sharing. They are sort of more low-key. Uh, they like to work in teams, but... Uh, preferably small teams, three, maybe four people, you know, a whole 10 people. That, that's a crowd. That, that's a sort of a gang. And it's sort of a, I don't know, you know, a little group where you know everybody. They don't uh, like conflict, so they will agree with you on basically anything. If you tell them to go to the right, they will say, absolutely, then we will go to the right. And I tell them, well, how about left? That is true. Let's go left. <laughs> and then we ask them, so what's it going to be? Well, uh, what do you think? <laughs> you know, ask somebody else. I don't know. I, I'm going to agree with anything because they don't like conflicts. So they, they will agree on everything. But they're very friendly, very helpful, very kind. Uh, there's one thing they are struggling with more than anything else, and that is changes. Mm. Changes, you know, novelty. Ugh. Who asked for novelty? Who asked for changes? It was better before. Well, it wasn't better. It didn't work at all. But you knew what you had, at least. So why change things? That is problematic mm. in some industries because changes is sort of the default setting here. Changes. Who knows what's going to happen this week? And for these people, that's a problem. They're better to work on in in sort of um, environments where who's kind of that is sort of predictable, uh, where you, you you know a Monday is going to look up about like this and Tuesdays usually like that and, and so on and that's good for them then, then they will be very loyal and work really hard and, and again take responsibility for the small things the things that you and I might forget about so yeah and the, the, the fourth, fourth, uh, the fourth factor is uh, the blue ones that is the combination of task orientation and introversion and then you get yourself an engineer right or maybe an accountant a tax sheriff, something like that, neurosurgeon, you know, details, facts, tiny details. And they can dig themselves down to the ground water to see, is there something more to learn? Is there more to see down there? Well, it doesn't matter, you might say. Well, it's interesting. Let's dig some more. And they, they, they go for, you know, Excel sheets, proof. How do you know that? Well, I read it online. Online? Hmm. Wikipedia? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Have you? Do you have a manual? Yes, we have a manual. Here's the manual. Oh, do you have it in the original language? Yeah, but you don't speak German. I can learn. There's been some some really really depressing translational errors. You know, you have to look for for the for the original language, and and, and that's just the way they are. They can't tell if you ask them what the weather is like. You might say to yourself, "Well, it's winter." They might say, "Well, it's seventeen point three degrees. The humidity." Humidity in the air is uh, this and that, you know, and they can tell you exactly where it's going and you don't care, but they will give you the details because why not? 
So and that, so these are the four main. And then of course you can combine them. So people say there's got to be more than four kinds of people in the, on this planet. Well, of course, because you can combine them algorithmically speaking, nineteen thousand three hundred and forty-five ways. I would say. So you can have blue and, 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 and green, or you can have green and blue, and that kind of gives you another character. But like when you bake a cake, you need to understand what is milk. What does the egg do for the mixture, so to mm. say? If you put salt in, what is salt really? And sugar? How does that affect the cake? So you need to understand the fundamentals, the basics, before you can use them the correct way. But again, you have to start somewhere. This is where I start. And how do we use them? So from from the purpose of self-reflection, first of all, what is the benefit of figuring out what color or combination of colors we are and what amounts? And then how do we apply that in, in any way, shape or form? Well, the best way to explain it is to, take, to, to give you a real life example. I am coaching a lot of people in really high positions. That's kind of what I do besides writing when giving lectures. And I, as you said, a lot of red people ends up in as CEOs and, 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 and similar. And a CEO that could also be could be the chairman of the board. It could also be well, the highest ranking officer in any kind of organization. Uh, but let's let's say CEO for 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 the simplicity. And they usually have some red manners, which gives them uh, they are strong willed. They are poor listeners. If they don't get what they want, they will raise their voice. They will point at you with a full hand. They will dominate you in order to make you listen, in order to make you sort of fall back in line. For some people, that's okay. For other people, that is completely horrifying because that doesn't work. when you, It's not inspirational at all. It's, it's demanding. It's a bit, uh, I mean, dictating what you should do, what you should think, how you should feel about things. So what I usually say is, if you don't listen to other people, oh no, but I know better, you know, because they self, their self uh, awareness is not there, but their self uh, confidence is there. Attention span is like a six-year-old, you know, fifteen seconds. If you haven't caught their attention in fifteen seconds, they're just gonna just gonna turn away and go away, you know. That's just the way they are, and that's very impolite. And I say, if you don't listen to them, why should they listen to you? No, what do you mean? Well, if you show that you intentionally interrupt and you don't listen, you don't pay attention to your 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 to your staff or your management team or whatever it is. Why should they listen to you? Well, I'm the boss. Well, that wasn't the question. That's a position. It's a position in the organizational hierarchy. You're the boss. But why should they listen to to your ideas and your demands and your 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 your, your, your when you're directing people and all kind. Well, you know, hmm, I haven't thought of that. No. So if you become a better listener, you might make them listen to you. And it's going to save you time. It's going to make you more money. You're going to reach results quicker if you have an, sort of an open channel here, you know, so where you are on the same platform. And then you start digging and start to understand, okay, maybe I'm a bit too impatient yet. Yeah, maybe. How could you build your patience a little bit? Because everybody isn't like you. Well, they should be, they say. I hear that so many times every year. Well, they should be like me. What are you going to say about it to that? So that's an example. You have to, The starting point is always yourself. If I was going to call my travel agency, not that we do that anymore, but if I would call my travel agency and say, get me a ticket to London. I want to go to Heathrow. No problem, they will say. No problem. And then they will ask me, from where would you like to go? Just imagine I said, never mind that, just get a ticket. 
Mm. How will they solve it? Well, we need a starting point. It's the same thing with physical communication as with verbal communication. You are the starting point. You have to begin with you. And the hardest people who to to make them to listen that that's the red ones and the yellow ones, because the yellow ones, I mean, both the red ones and the yellow ones, they have kind of big egos, not as in egotistic or egocentrical, where they could be there also, but but you know, strong egos, as in Latin ego, you know, the strong selves, the very you know, this is me, self, no, no not self awareness, but more self consciousness, let's call it. Mm-hmm. I am here now. Let's begin. You know, I'm a strong person. I'm important. That kind of ego could be good, could also be not so good. Uh, So I try to help them to pick out the pieces. And I say, where would you like to go? Well, uh, things isn't working for me as well as it should be. Uh, So so what seems to be the problem? And then we work on it. And usually it's about communication. It's, I would say, if the process doesn't work, maybe it's 10% bad routines. That could be the case. But it's usually bad communication internally. Definitely. And I mean, water is pouring downwards, right? So if you you misbehave up here, people will misbehave down there. And I get comments from, I mean, on Facebook, I've done some, some ads on Facebook when it comes to, to leadership and, and coaching and so on. A lot of people is, is commenting on, on my ads, which is absolutely fine. And right. that tells me there's a need for leadership development. Mm. because a lot of people have a sort of a issues with their managers slash bosses. I'm not even using the word leaders because the leader is somebody that you want to follow. The boss or manager is somebody that you have to follow. Uh, and people have strong things to say about lots of the managers. That's sad. It doesn't have to be that way. So they, are, they will always be the starting point. Look what I am talking. I'm also a bit of an extrovert, as you might have noticed sorry about that but never apologize (laughs) so the flip side of it is the flip side of self-analysis and self-improvement is of course using the same technique uh, or the same system to analyze others and this is interesting for me particularly when we talk about pitching pitching in sales uh, or, or pitching ideas and and really it's about communicating in a way that you are convincing someone of your idea. And one of the big things that I talk about with people, you know, beyond sales tactics is, is the people in the room are often your audience that they're often more important to find that emotional connection and find some kind of likability element is more important sometimes than the actual strength of your idea and what you're trying to communicate how do we in a pitching scenario perhaps use some of this do we should we be analyzing if it's a small room of say four people who we're pitching to should we be trying to figure out what colors these people are and somehow using that knowledge to influence how we communicate to them yes and how the hell do we do that? <laughs> Great follow-up question. Well, how the hell do we do that? Well, to begin with, let's say that you have built your self-awareness. Let's say that you are a combination of yellow and red. Okay. Let's say, for the sake of argument, you're an extrovert. 
you don't love details, you are willing to take a fight and you think that you, you dare to go into negotiations and you, 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 you have a strong self-confidence and, and you know what you're selling. Let's just, for the sake of argument, let's just assume all that. Sure. All of that. Um, then you know that you have, a, you have a tendency to talk a lot. You have a tendency to sort of push forward, which is good. You have a tendency to, to present things and to show enthusiasm and positivity, which is good. You also have a tendency to not pay attention to other people. You have a tendency to push a little bit too hard sometimes. You sort of miss the small signals. You have a tendency to forget about asking open-ended questions. I'm only talking about tendencies. The more trained you are, the more skilled you are, the better you will do, obviously, and, and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, we all have downsides to our personalities. And if you know, these are my tendencies. Not saying that's the same thing all the time in all the situations. But I'm strong-willed and I'm going to push this through. I'm going to make this deal. I'm going to close it. I'm going to, you know. But I also have to pay some attention. That, that's the starting point again in this example. And then you see you have a red CEO in front of you. He's already bored. You have a slide deck of 99 slides. That's just, oh, my God, don't ever, don't, don't go there. He's bored. He's looking at his phone 15 minutes in. You know, where's the where's the baseline here? Where, where's the last page? Where, where, where is the deal? How much is it? What do you want from me? You know, you have a marketing director who is yellow. You forgot to smile to him. You forgot to say something positive about his new jacket. You know, you didn't ask him where he lived or how long he had worked here. You forget about showing him a personal interest. That's bad. He's going to talk against you because maybe he doesn't like you because you didn't give him attention. Mm. The red CEO, never mind him. He, if you asked him about his children, he would ask you, what the hell is that? It's none of your business, <laughs> you know. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. Where, where, you know, let's go for the deal here, you know. But the yellow guy, he wants this. He needs this. The green person, that could be just to use, just to use stereotypes. It could be the HR department. Maybe that's a green person. I know it's a stereotype. Don't kill me for it. So, but who's listening to that? I know it's it's just, and 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 he or she offered you coffee and you turned him down, or tea, and you said no thanks. Ooh, that's bad. That's that's very unpolite. Shouldn't have done that. And the blue person, he sees no proof whatsoever. That's the CFO. Mm. Lots of stereotypes here. The CFO says, okay, so where are the proof? Where's the references? And uh, do you have an Excel sheet? And, 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 and how much and how many and how often? And, and could you divide it by, by this and that, you know? And what kind of examples do you have? And, and there's all, all, all only detailed questions. And say, yeah, I can email those to you right away. And then you forget about it. You're done. Consent to these people. The problem when you have all the types in the same room at the same time, you're going to end up with trouble. That's usually not happening. But you have to meet them all of them. You have to say to the CEO, you know, this is this is the summary. There it is. Uh, if you want to stay, fine by me. If you're going to delegate the decision to these guys, no problem. This is a summary. What's the question? What questions do you have? Well, you know, I read the last page. It's too expensive. If you, you know, just I don't know, 10% down, 10% off, then we, we might have a deal. Okay, that's good. He, he hasn't read it. You can't make him read it, but don't keep him in the room. Accept it. That's really interesting because one of my questions was going to be, you know, a lot of the pitches that we do are an hour, sometimes two. 
sometimes I've had pitches that are five hours and that's the time that the client gives you and to fill that time you get a list of a hundred questions that you have to answer and you know that there are some people in the room like reds and some yellows that hate it and so my question was going to be how do you keep a red engaged for a prolonged period of time but perhaps your answer is you don't you you allow them to leave whenever they want you don't you really don't. There's a study I saw here from one of the biggest uh, Swedish banks who said after 43 minutes into the pitch, if you haven't, th that's the, 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 the hottest moment, after 43 minutes, if you can't close it exactly then, you're going to lose most people's interest in the room. There's a lot of data behind that to, to explain that, but there is there's some truth in it. Some people can sort of struggle and try to be, you know, engaged and, and sort of be there mentally but the reds and the yellows my god the reds are they get so frustrated and you can't change them your job is not to change your client or your your presumable new new, new customer you, you can't make them say you have to listen because this is important they hate it mm -hmm. give them the summary give them the the headlines you know the the main topic i mean i usually go for I have I have usually three documents with me when I do this. Well, when I did it, I don't do it do it as much anymore. I had a summary, and if I saw some red person, it could be the CFO, could also be red. That could happen. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Here's a summary. Who wants it? Hand it over." You know, okay. And they always flipped it and, and read the last page. So there, I put the sales pitch once more because, you know, the numbers were on the second last page because I tried. Trick them into not reading them the first thing they read. So, but anyways, and then I had the full, the full uh, whatever the offering was, and then I had the background in a separate document. The background, as in the proof, uh, the, the 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 all the math, you know, all the different kind of uh, Excel sheets and and formulas and diagrams and whatever and and, and references. But I had them in, had them in, in in a separate document. A lot of people ask for it, but not so many people actually read it mm. and calling somebody up and say, hey, have you bought from this guy? Was he any good? Did he deliver in time? And, and was he trustworthy? They usually don't. But if I have them with me, it's going to look very, very professional, I would say. So I usually do that. You have to you have to adapt all the time. The problem is when you have different characters in the room at the same time. And they are, even though they have kind of kind of the same agenda they are not there for the same reasons and they are buying for different reasons mm. the same product or service can be bought by different people for different reasons and it's it, 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 it's a little bit of a conundrum how you can reach everybody with your message and i mean sales is tricky these days it's complicated uh, and i know you do it well because i checked you up i know you know what you're doing so that's good and we need really professionals out there. We need people with less cliches, less corporate bullshit, technical term, uh, <laughs> less yada yada, but still people who can inspire and to create a solid ground for motivation, let's say. For people to say, this is interesting. I'm going to listen to this guy. Not saying you should only make them feel good and you know and talk mm. about the weather you have to do that a little bit as well but usually these days people don't have too much time for 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 just you know did you see the snowfall this morning and and, and yeah. such and such 
but still create a positive environment in the room, create an atmosphere that is non-threatening, non-antagonistic, uh, that makes the, the, the relation-oriented people feel comfortable, yellows and the greens. They don't want you to be this super sharp guy. Okay, listen to me because I'm the best there is in this business, you know. That works on the red guy. He says, kind of, okay, bring it on, you know. But for the yellows, oh, kind of, kind of, kind of stressful, you know, behavior for the greens. That's really threatening. Ooh, what, what, who is this? And uh, for the blues, it's just, whoa, boring. Where, where, where's the Excel sheets, you know? But sometimes you have to, you have to do all of it. And it, it is tricky. It is tricky. To sell is tricky. That's hard. It's, it's amongst the hardest professions you can have to sell, especially these days, I would say. So, yeah. A common a common thread with with I think all of my guests is that I bring them on to get advice and knowledge and and and, and glean into their minds of how we can use real techniques in 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 a pitching environment. And often what happens is the more you unpack these tiny little theories and concepts the bigger they become and the more overwhelmed people become. And they think, my God, the more I listen to the podcast, the more overwhelmed I become. Without trying to analyze every single person in the world and trying to be all things to all people, which you will ultimately fail at, are there, in your expert opinion, from either a communication or a behavioral standpoint, certain things that we should be doing in a pitch when we're trying to convince someone of an idea that perhaps will resonate with all of the colors or, or, or you can take red out for a bit if you want to but what are the more general things we could be doing to help convince people of our ideas it depends on on, on the environment it depends on what you're there for if it's the first meeting i usually say go green okay that means Shut the F up, pay attention, be well prepared with open-ended questions and listen. Don't say one word too many. Use as few words as possible and just go green. Be there, pay attention, show interest and make sure they see that you are interested and learn as much as you can. That's how you go green. What I do is really focus on open-ended questions. Mm. It sounds like a cliche, but people tend to forget about those. There's a a story, you may have heard it, you probably have, about uh, Rudyard Kipling, the great author. And he was very popular within the the English uh, society, you know, with, with, you know, he he was a high-profile guest. And if he could get Kipling to the dinner party, lucky you, because he he was so nice and so pleasant and so kind. And he got a question, why does everybody like you? What's your secret? What do you tell people at a dinner party that makes them like you so much? And he said, close to nothing. I hardly say anything. I ask, I have my six best friends with me, which is why, when, what, how, and so on. Open-ended questions. I ask people, who do you know here? How did you come here tonight? Uh, what do you do for a living? And then people keep talking, because if you allow people to talk about themselves, they will like you. It's so simple. Yeah. 
So we want to make an excellent presentation. We have beautiful slides and we have effects and things are moving, you know, and, and, and back and forth. And, and I would say, take it down a notch. Tell people, I'm here to sell you something. I'm here to sell you this product or, or that service. I think it's great. Now let's find out if you think it's great too. Mm. What's your expectations? Let's say you start with that question. What's your expectations? You know who I am. You know why I come here. And I don't have to. Let's be straightforward with each other. Tell me your expectations. And they will tell you. They won't say, we think you're an idiot already. Get out. They won't do that. They will say, hmm, that's an interesting opening. And they will look at each other and say, what are our expectations? And maybe they don't know. Now you're into the conversation. Mm. Or they will tell you, we hope that you will solve specifically this problem for us. As you know, selling is about solving problems. We know that. So we want this problem to be solved. And then you can ask them, what have you tried so far? Well, we did this and we did that. And th these are the strategies didn't work out. All right. Why not? You know, and now you're into it. You, you're in the process. You don't have to make it complicated. You don't have to look like God himself. And you don't have to look like, I don't know, some super event. You don't have to be Elon Musk. You can be just you. Go green and pay attention and hand it over. Would you share, perhaps, I don't care how many, but some of the books or lectures that have had a major impact on you, perhaps brought around paradigm shifts that have just changed who you are when it comes to books there's one book that helped me tremendously that is feel the fear do it anyway by susan jeffers the late phd susan jeffers it's a it's a classic it's i don't know 25 years old by now it is absolutely it's a masterpiece feel the fear do it anyway because people say to me especially really young people say I want to feel happy all the time. And I say, I'm sorry, that's not possible. You, 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 you're going to struggle sometimes. You're going to feel miserable some days. And that's just the way life is. But I'm going to be happy all the time. Well, that can't be the case. But I, I, I'm scared of this and I'm scared of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I hand them over the book. Feel the fear, do it anyway. You can never make the fear go away, but you can make the fear your friend you can learn how to use it and that has helped me tremendously in my career in relationships in my ambition to to dare to be honest actually mm. which is i haven't always been like that uh, so feel the fear and do it anyway susan jeffers it's an excellent it's a masterpiece i read it and i reread it every second year i know what's in there but i i i, I want to digest it once more and again and again it, it's absolutely brilliant uh when it comes to a lecture one of my favorites is, is simon sinek start with why i saw him in stockholm a couple of years ago a year before the pandemic and he was fantastic obviously he was absolutely marvelous he, he he wrapped it in so beautifully, explained it so well, you know, the golden circle, you know, and, and, and how people need to understand why are we here. If I understand what I'm doing here, if I understand the reason and, and, and the, the basic values, then we can start doing the job, you know, because there's a good reason for it. 
uh, instead of just being told you have to do this because you just have to. You know, I knew that, but he 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 the package was so fantastic. And what about who were your when you were younger? Who were your heroes or or, or big inspirations? Stephen King. Yeah, the author. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Stephen King, he made me an author. I wouldn't have written one single word if it wasn't for Stephen King. I discovered him at the age of 15 when the first book was translated into Swedish. And that was uh, The Shining. Mm. I read it and I was completely, I was just, I was blown away. My God, what a guy. And actually Stephen King... Uh, unbeknownst to him helped me when I was struggling and I was really uh, reaching a point in my career where I thought I had to actually leave completely and 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 well I actually went home for for six months I was so stressed out and then I watched I watched uh, uh, The Green Mile Mm. if you know that movie based on a book The Green Mile you know the guy was uh, facing a death sentence for for a crime he didn't ever committed and I saw that and it made me cry. And I didn't realize how that could be because I'm not a crier. I'm not a guy who cries. Why am I crying? And I realized how could he write a book 10 years ago, was made into a movie five years ago, and now I am watch- watching it and getting so touched by it. How is this possible? Wow. Just imagine having that, being a person who could touch people like that, who could reach out, who can really make you think. And then I said, well, if I can't be touched, maybe I can touch others. And I went back to work because I'm in the exactly right position. I just didn't know. So to Stephen King, I own a lot. So as we draw to a close, I want to make sure that, um, and there's loads more I wanted to talk about, really, especially your other, your other books. But in lieu of that, can you tell us where people can find more of you? Where on the internet should they be looking? Well, I have a I have a webpage surroundedbyidiots.com, Obviously, uh, you find me on Instagram, Thomas Erickson author. You find me on Facebook, surrounded by idiots. You find me on LinkedIn, Thomas Erickson. Uh, I'm a very lousy social media entrepreneurial kind of guy, and my 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 small, tiny, poor. Uh, number of followers can probably sense that but i'm I'm doing the best i can uh but yeah i'm trying to share knowledge i'm trying to share uh, insights experiences so i like your instagram by the way i was looking i was looking at it earlier oh there was one quote that you put on there because you have a few quotes with pictures of yourself looking very dapper as well which i really like uh and one of the things you said uh, was recent one Put me in a room with people who don't like me and watch how friendly they become. That's based on a true experience also. Have you got one minute to tell me about it? Well, I got some criticism here in Sweden based on Surrounded by Edits from some psychologists. And they said, this isn't scientific enough. And I said, no problem. I have never claimed it to be scientific. I only quote the DISC profile. And they said some really nasty stuff about me. And most of them were writers, authors, uh, lecturers, and and consultants such as myself, which put us in the same room more than once. And how beautiful they behaved when we met in reality. 
And Fusawai was nice and kind, and we shook hands, and I said, congratulations to your new book. He said, okay, if I put it up on my Instagram or on Facebook, and they said, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, please do that. And and it was so awkward, but, you know, stabbing somebody in the back when he's not in the room, that's anybody can do that. That's the easy one, yeah. That's yeah. the easy one, you know. If you, like uh, Ricky Gervais, Gervais said, it's better to do something and get criticized for it than to do nothing and criticize others. I, th I think that's a beautiful statement. You are a wise man and you've given an incredible amount of, of, of advice and sharing uh, a, a great amount in this last hour or so. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate you and all the work you do. Any final words of wisdom? Well, as I talk a lot about adaption to other people, to try to fine-tune yourself and, and adjust how you behave, I think that is what we do on a daily basis, and I think we should do it out of politeness, out of efficiency, out of uh, achieving things easier, reaching our goals and so on. We need each other. We need to adapt. We need to pay attention. We need to to show people respect and, 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 and so on. We also must remember that we will always be who we are. You should never try to be somebody that you are absolutely not. It's one thing in a meeting, in a sales pitch to to show interest in a yellow person, ask about his new car. That's one thing. But trying to play a role, a character in the long run that you are not, that is to manipulate yourself. You should never violate your own personality. If you really feel bad at, at your job, let's say, maybe you are in the wrong place. Maybe you should get another job. That might be the case. So, so Godspeed with that. Thomas, thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. Much appreciate. This has been another episode of Pitch Masters. Go to pitchguy.co.uk for updates and information or search for Pitch Guy on social media for regular videos on sales, psychology, storytelling, creativity and much more.